Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to the Women's Podcast, brought to you by Green and Black's Organic Chocolate. Discover a different kind of dark. Welcome back to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. It's a big week, kids going back to school if you have them. And if you don't have them, you've got nieces or nephews or grandchildren and you're worrying how it's all going to go. Will there be spikes of COVID-19? The experts are saying probably. Will you have to keep them at home if they get a normal cold? Yes. Uh, And there are other new things too. There's all these designated pickup and drop-off points and disinfecting pencil cases at night and face masks in school if your kids are in secondary and then the scramble as schools try to find appropriate resources. I mean, I saw Kieran Mullooly of RTE tweeting about one school where they have this tiny shed outside and it was going to be used as an isolation room, which is not something I'd say any child wants to be stuck in when they're unwell. On Monday, we're going to be talking to Jen Hogan all about these issues and how things are going school-wise. So do make sure you check out that episode. And we'll also have Mally Coyne talking about anxious children. And I know there are a few of them and anxious parents going around at this time. Today, we're going to be talking to a wonderful woman called Georgie Crawford, who is a very unusual person in Ireland in that she makes a living from her podcast, The Good Glow, which she started after a cancer diagnosis. And it's been hugely successful with millions of downloads. And she talked to me about that. And I'm going to have that for you later. But first, remember last week I asked you for some good news. I wanted to hear positive things that have happened to you or your family in the last six very strange months. The prize is a little book bundle of new books and you've been sending in your emails to the women's podcast at irishtimes.com and on social at Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast. Now, one of the emails that came in was from Olivia Wasson and it's such a cool story. I wanted to read it to you. Olivia says, First of all, thank you for your podcast. I'm a Northern Irish woman living in London and listening to your podcast connects me to home and gives me more brilliant book recommendations than anywhere else. Well, we're delighted to hear that, Olivia. And she continues, I was listening to your episode with Mimi Wilcox where you asked for good news over this pandemic and I wanted to share our story. My ex-boyfriend and I broke up at the start of February. We'd been together for nearly four years and it was all very mutual and kind. I went for dinner with a good friend the week after and I told him we'd broken up. I started seeing this friend more often. His name is Duncan. And finally, on the 16th of March, we got together. He started laughing and I asked what about. And he said, when we met last year, I said to my friend, if that girl is ever single, I've got to ask her out. The next day was my last day at work and we spent the entire weekend together. London went into lockdown on the Monday. We waited apart for the three week update and then he moved in with me for two weeks. I then moved into his flat and we thought I'd stay for two weeks, but we completely fell for each other. And four months later, we've signed a tenancy agreement and officially moved in together. He's my one. Well, we are delighted for you, Olivia, and please do keep the happy stories coming to the women's podcast 
at irishtimes.com or on social at IT Women's Podcast. Now, Georgie Crawford is the host of a wellness podcast called The Good Glow, which has allowed her to leave her job in radio and focus all her energy on creating brilliant content that millions of listeners, her vast community, can't wait to hear each week. And she's just started an offshoot of the podcast called The Good Glow Health, which focuses specifically on health stories, not surprisingly. And she talked to me about that, about the devastating cancer diagnosis she received in 2017 and how it set her life on a very different course to the one she was following. Georgie is, and I don't use this word lightly, an inspiring person. And she's also great crack uh, and has a great nose for a very good human interest story. I think you're going to enjoy getting to know her and hearing about the Good Glow, which in its first year had a massive three million downloads. Here she is, Georgie Crawford. Georgie, thanks so much for joining us today. For those who don't know you or your story, just bring us back to 2017 and what life was like for you before you got your cancer diagnosis. Yeah, so 2017 was the year that I had my first child. Pia was born in February and we had just bought a new house and my husband decided to change his career after 12 years and go and follow his dreams of working uh, with his friend on this amazing startup business they had. So it was a little bit stressful, but it kind of felt like 2017 was a big year of transition for us. And we had finally grown up and we had this gorgeous baby and this lovely house that we were doing up. And then in October, a week before I was due to go back from my maternity leave, I found a lump in my breast. And five days later, I was told I had breast cancer. So I was 32 and just completely and utterly devastated. I found my lump at half one in the morning. Uh, I I'd felt really tired that week and I asked Jamie to do the night feed for me. So he was like, of course. And it was three days after Pia's christening. So I'd felt really tired that week and I just put it down to that. So I found the lump in my breast and we completely panicked, but kind of tried to assure ourselves that it was a blocked milk duct or something like that, something to do with the pregnancy and having a baby. But the next day I went to the GP and she said that I would definitely have to be assessed at a breast clinic, uh, which was very concerning. I wasn't very reassured Um, and I didn't know how long I'd be waiting for Uh, you know, to get assessed. So I went home that day and I rang every hospital in Dublin and I actually got into Beaumont Hospital into the breast clinic the next day. And the following Tuesday was the day that I got the call to come into Beaumont Hospital. I was asked to bring somebody with me and I was sat in a little tiny room and told that, yes, I did have cancer. And it's that moment is everything you'd you'd imagine it to be. You know, you leave with a leaflet. Um, you still have to go outside and pay for your parking and get on the M50 and drive home. It was bizarre. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I ended up in October 2017. Now you did um like I think this thing with, with cancer, because we hear so many stories, and a lot of the talk around cancer is this positivity thing that you know, if you just stay positive and it's all about beating cancer and someone lost their battle with cancer or won it. I mean, it, it it's kind of very arbitrary because nobody knows what way the, the disease is going to go for any one person. But your particular sort of approach seemed to be quite for want of a better word positive from the beginning in terms of keeping a positive outlook on it and looking after yourself so tell people how you kind of went about 
managing this horrifying diagnosis and and getting back to health? Well, I have an amazing husband and an incredible family. So, you know, we all just came together around that time and it was like crisis meetings, you know, um, and we'd sit around and, and kind of try to keep our spirits up and try to stay as positive as possible. But that day on the Tuesday that I was told that I did have cancer, they told me that they then had to go and find out if it had spread. So that was a terrifying week. I I I walked around in a complete daze. I couldn't be left alone. My mum and Jamie were tag teaming. Like I had the seven month old baby. I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, Jamie was really positive. He goes, I really don't think it's spread. I, I, I feel like we've caught it on time. And the day that I was due to get my results to find out if the cancer had spread was the day of stormophilia and all the hospital appointments were cancelled. And I was like... I cannot take any more of this. Please, God, make it end. And my surgeon rang me that day and he said he too was locked out of the hospital, but he was able to access my results and the cancer hadn't spread. And that was the first bit of kind of good news, you know, and we really felt like we were in control at that point. And he said he was going to do the surgery in two days and the cancer would be gone. Um, then I was told, you know, I would have to get five months of chemo and the radiotherapy and go on this drug called tamoxifen for five years, that I definitely lose my hair, that there was a chance my fertility may not come back. Like it was so serious, but with support and with time, I finally, you know, got to that place of positivity, but it definitely wasn't easy and it didn't come straight away. It was it was a lot of digging deep. And what do you think about the language around cancer? I talked about it there, the war, the battle, you know, someone lost their battle, mm. someone defeated it as if as if the person themselves has a kind of say in it, because it means the people who die are somehow to blame. I, I feel like it's very strange. It's a very strange language. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that personally for me, I don't use any of those words around my cancer. Some of the strongest women I know have died of cancer. Um, so it's it's not on my radar. I I chose not to hate my cancer and not to say I was going to war. I it was very hard. Like I was so upset at the start, but I I began to believe that this was happening for a reason. That's the only way I could get through it. That's the only way I could get up and face the world every day. So I thought maybe I'm a messenger for cancer, I for breast cancer in young women, because I definitely didn't think young women were getting diagnosed with breast cancer. I'd only heard of Kylie Minogue as a young person with breast cancer. So I thought, well, I have... I've worked in radio for 12 years. Maybe I was chosen to use my voice for this. And I did feel like I had a choice as to whether I shared my story or, or not. And I was still on maternity leave at the time. I thought maybe I could just pretend that I was spending an extra year with my baby and hide because there's a lot of shame and guilt around cancer. But what is the shame and guilt, uh, Georgie? Because you know, for a long time, we couldn't even say the word. We said the C word. That was mm. that was how people described it. Uh, and they didn't mean that other horrible word that is sometimes used. But what is the shame and guilt? Can you talk to us about that and what you felt? Yeah, it took me a very long time to even admit it to myself that 
I was a little bit ashamed of it. I thought, I suppose when you log on line these days or you read the Daily Mail or you may catch a headline, you read cancer is caused by coffee. Cancer is caused by fast food. Cancer is caused by negative thoughts. And I was mortified. I thought people are going to think I'm so unhealthy or I gave this cancer to myself because I think negatively. Um, but I I just had to get past that. And, and it took me a, a year, I would say. But I thought about all the young people who may be walking around with their baby, pushing their baby down the road with a lump in their breast and that it would never even dawn on them to give themselves a breast check or to ask their GP for a checkup. And I thought there is absolutely no way that I can't use my platform to talk about this. And I'm going to hold my head up high and try my best not to be embarrassed or ashamed by it. So you did what many people have done these days and you started a podcast, but I think you were a bit ahead of the the curve in fairness to you. Yeah, you were kind of at the early days and before the whole slew of people came in. Your podcast is called The Good Glow. What was the aim of it? What were you trying to do? So I was diagnosed in October 2017 and in October 2018, I was back in work and I was sitting at my desk uh, with my amazing colleagues who supported me the whole way through my journey and came on 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 it with me and knew the new me because of course you change after something like that. So I felt very secure with my colleagues, but I also felt like a complete and utter alien sitting at my desk. Like it was so bizarre to me that I was sitting there just getting on with my life. And I felt very sad and very panicky and my phone beeped actually and it was a message from a lady in America and I was supported by so many amazing women through sharing my story on Instagram and she said Georgie I went on to have two kids after I I had cancer you know thank you for sharing your story there is positive stories out there and that really gave me a pep in my step that week. And I thought, God, maybe I will go on to have more kids and maybe my life isn't over. And that was one of hundreds of messages that I get every week. And I thought then about people who suffer in silence and who don't share their story and don't hear the good news stories, who only hear the bad cancer stories. And I thought, how can I reach them and spread these stories of positivity? So I thought maybe I could start a blog, but I had a, a one-year-old at this point. Or was she two? I can't. God, it's all a blur. But she was very, very young still and demanded a lot of my attention. And I had a full-time job. So I thought there's no way I have time to write. And I've, I'd worked in radio for 12 years, so it made sense for me to start a podcast. So I went home to my husband, Jamie, and I said, I really want to start a podcast and I want the word glow to be in it because when people tell me in my recovery that I'm glowing, it means more than they'll ever know because it means I'm alive and I look healthy again. And so that was the night the good glow was born. And it's we've gone on to tell some amazing stories of overcoming of motivation of people who've just been in the gutter and found light at the end of the tunnel 
And that's all I ever wanted. And uh, we're going into season seven now. So it's just been amazing. It's an incredible story. And I mean, it's so such a success that you go and do live events or you did when you could do that live events <laughs> and you've got a huge community. You've got millions of downloads. Like it's a, it's a real success story. What Was it exclusively going to be about cancer at the beginning, Georgie? Did you see it like that, a cancer podcast or or had your because we haven't actually talked about your recovery, really. So maybe take us through kind of coming out of cancer and then what you wanted to do in the podcast. Yeah, so I definitely didn't want to create a podcast just about cancer because in my recovery and through talking to people and it's funny when you've been through something yourself, people who have also been through something really open up to you and you could be standing in Dunn's in Cornell's Court for 40 minutes talking to someone who's also you know, being to hell and back. And so there was no way it was just going to be about cancer because I think what I realized very quickly is that we all have a story of overcoming. We've all been through things in our lives. So it was just about sharing different types of stories. And I think that's why the podcast works because it's never the same two weeks in a row. Um, Like your podcast, you know, you pick different topics each week. So, uh, yeah, I, I, one that stands out for me is this amazing lady who um, went to Sri Lanka with her husband. He was training rugby over there and she went to volunteer in a local orphanage because she wanted to fill her days when her child went to school. And she fell in love with this little girl. And she said from the minute she walked into the orphanage, she just felt like this girl was her daughter. And they went through the process and they adopted her and they brought her home to Ireland and she couldn't walk. And they got her uh, life changing surgery in America. And she is now the happiest little girl. So it's just stories like that that just stop you in your tracks and make you think, whoa, aren't we so lucky? Yeah. Um, But tell me about your recovery then, because you had to go through chemotherapy and all of that. Yeah, chemo was chemo was tough going. It was, I really hoped that it wouldn't be as bad as I thought it was going to be. My oncology nurse sat me down and said, you know, it's not like the movies. Um, But I went in that first day, it was the 18th of December, it was Christmas week actually. Um, And I thought, you know, this is going to be fine. It will be, everything will be fine. I was high on steroids. I came home. I was running around the house. My mom and my stepdad, who, you know, were so supportive, were there with Pia making the dinner. And everyone kept telling me to sit down. And by half 10, I was lying on my bathroom floor, like paralyzed. I couldn't move. And Jamie just said, this isn't right. We have to get you back to the beacon. So he put me in the car. We went back to the beacon and the only position I could be in that I didn't feel sick in was like on my hands and knees. And I spent three nights in the beacon that week uh, while they were trying to find an anti-sickness tablet that worked for me. And that was Christmas week on my baby's first Christmas. So it was just, it was so hard. And then the first week in January was the week that your hair falls out couldn't be on your second chemotherapy session which you know with my particular chemo which was called AC um and my hair just started to fall out like in clumps couldn't believe how fast it came out and we were wig shopping it was just I didn't recognize my life anymore 
Um, but my husband, Jamie, really made me feel beautiful with no hair. And like I didn't, <laughs> but he made me feel very secure, which was very important. And we'd lie in bed and I'd, you know, with our backs to each other or my back would be to him. And I'd wonder if he was staring at my bald head, like going, who is this person? <laughs> but, you know, it came back again. And now I barely remember being bald. It's amazing how much time really is a healer. You are listening to the Women's Podcast, brought to you by Green and Black's Organic Chocolate. Chocolate to savour. So how has doing the podcast, and the reason we're talking as well is because you've just launched another podcast? Yeah, it's called The Good Glow Health. Okay, so tell us what the difference between this one is and why you decided to branch out into another one. Yeah, so I have an amazing community of listeners and we're chatting all the time and they're sending me feedback on The Good Glow and suggesting people for it. But I was getting a lot of messages from people asking me to discuss IVF or gut health general well-being as well like what vitamins should we be taking um so things like that started to come in and Jamie said you know I really think you should do a podcast on fertility and I said yeah but you know that's different to the good glow the good glow is personal stories and everyone's story is different and everyone's journey is different so it's not one size fits all so I thought maybe I could create this spin-off podcast called The Good Glow Health, which I would release maybe twice a year in a little mini series. And I talk to medical experts about these topics that women want to know more about. So The Good Glow Health was born and um, it, it, we're currently putting it out at the moment. So today, even for example, I have a, a podcast on The Good Glow Health about relationships from a relationship expert because I spoke to Lee Arnold on my podcast about trauma and the impact that can have on your marriage so yeah it's just tips and tricks and things explained in an easy straightforward way you know how can we adapt healthy habits healthy habits have completely changed my life so it's just about you know sharing of ideas sharing of easy to digest information and that's what the good glow health is (laughs) When you talk about healthy habits, uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because is that something that happened from having cancer? And what are those healthy habits? Because I know our listeners ears have pricked up and they're going, oh, what are they? What are the things you changed? Yeah. So my oncologist is an amazing woman. She's called Jenny Westrup. She um, is from America. She's very forward thinking, has, you know, traveled the world researching what she does. And she sat me down and she said, Georgie, there is no diet for this. You know, I don't want you to come in and say, I'm doing this diet or I'm doing this diet and I've cut this out. She said, it's all about balance. So the day that she said that to me, I decided to give myself a target of eating five to seven portions of fruit and veg a day. And that really helped me cut down on biscuits and things like that. So that's one of my healthy habits. Another one of my healthy habits is to be hydrated um, and to drink as much water as I can. Another another healthy habit would be to do the park run on a Saturday morning when we could do it. Um, So I just kind of filled my life with little things like this. I didn't become a vegan or a vegetarian. Um, I still love a glass of red wine. 
Um, but it's about balance, like like Jenny said. So that's there are some of my healthy habits. And when people ask me, how do I change without a cancer diagnosis or without an earthquake? I my advice to them is just to pick up some healthy habits. And then soon those habits just turn into lifestyle choices that you make without even thinking about it. Georgie, do you know Dominique Kemp who wrote a book called The Ketogenic Kitchen? Because she's actually a friend of mine and she's written a lot about health and not just for people with cancer, but just about eating really good stuff for your body. I know your consultant said there's no diet for this, which I totally think is fair enough. But do you think there's enough about prevention or about how uh, having a good diet and having, you know, nutrient rich food and, you know, all those kind of things can actually prevent? And also, obviously, when you're getting poison pumped into you, like, um, chemotherapy which essentially it is it's it's a good poison if you like or it's something to help your body mm. to kind of get rid of the cancer but at that point you're you're being sort of so bamboozled by medicine like you're being so depleted surely just having good uh common sense nutrition uh, at that point is going to be healthy and there should be talk about that I was shocked that there wasn't more, you know, I didn't, a nutrition or a dietitian never stopped by my chemo chair to kind of just check in. And I did ask about that and they said, well, you know, with breast cancer, you wouldn't see a dietitian if it was a different type of cancer, you, you may. Um, so yeah, there is a lot that's, that's very much up to you. I, I was very lucky that I had a very approachable team. So I didn't feel like I was silly asking questions about diet now, I suppose no doctor is ever going to tell you that can that food certain foods will cause cancer. Like one of the biggest questions in my life is how did I get it? And I'll probably never know the answer. Um, but yeah, there isn't a lot of information out there. And of course, you don't want to go online to get your information because God knows what you'd believe after reading some of the things online. So yeah, I, I, I personally, I had to go to counseling for uh, my relationship with food after my diagnosis because I was more, I was embarrassed to eat a biscuit in front of people in case people would say, Jesus, your one had cancer last year and there she is eating a chocolate digestive. There she is eating a pizza. Like I would make excuses for myself, if I ordered a pizza, I'd say, oh, well, God, haven't had a treat in a month, you know, this sort of stuff. And I went to my I went to an amazing counselor for a year and she really helped me work through that and deal with that. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of people after a cancer diagnosis and they're getting back to their normal life after their treatment are are living a life, maybe suffering in silence with things like this that that isn't spoken about. I mean, uh, I suppose just going back to Domini and the ketogenic diet, I know that uh, Domini was very keen on just giving herself the best chance health-wise while she was getting the chemo and while she was recovering. And it, it's interesting to me that she got a, quite a lot of criticism, but she wasn't saying this is how you don't get cancer or this is going to cure cancer. She was just saying that while your body is going through this, it makes sense to you know give it certain foods and help it out. But it's it's interesting that that in the med the traditional sort of medicine nutrition and kind of what we put in our bodies doesn't seem to be as you know it's it's definitely shied away from or it doesn't seem to be front and center which makes no sense to me because surely everything that people are putting in their bodies is relevant to this discussion I know because you would absolutely think that that of course what I put into my body on a daily basis has you know some sort of impact on my health and I suppose 
when I was going into chemo, they said, you know, you're getting 22 weeks of chemo, but don't be surprised if we send you home from a chemo session because your bloods haven't bounced back. And I thought, oh God, please don't make this go on for any longer than it has to. And I went home that day and I started to drink green smoothies every morning. So I would put in spinach, apple, carrot and cucumber and knock it back. And then by lunchtime, I was eating more raw spinach and then I didn't cut out red meat. And I'd go in to get my chemo every Monday and they'd give me the thumbs up and they'd say, Georgie, your bloods are amazing. And that's really how I started to see that what you put into your body pays off. And I never missed a chemo session. Well, I did once for bone pain, but never, I was never sent home for my bloods, which I was delighted about. Uh, but it really did open my eyes to to the importance of eating good, healthy food. That's really interesting what you said about the smoothies and how you noticed, well, you feel like you, you attribute some of what you, your success say, or you're kind of the fact that you were, you were getting good bloods to the fact that you were being very careful and looking after yourself. Um, do you think there is, did you ever feel that you, you, you're you worried about saying that or making the link between good nutrition and, and your recovery? Do you think there's a sort of still people who'd be, even in the cancer, cancer sort of medical community, that they kind of are very wary of that? They don't like people saying things like that. Yeah, like I think people... I think you have to be so careful with what you say and people message me all the time and they're like, do you still eat bread? Do you still eat pasta? And I do. I have a steak on a Saturday night. I feel like through everything I've been through, I know my body. I, I know how I feel. I know when I'm dehydrated. I know when I need to eat a really healthy meal. Um. But yeah, it's it's definitely a topic that I personally would love to know a lot more about, but I'm careful not to. I just say that that's what worked for me um, and that's what kept me healthy during that time. Yeah, because I think that's really important. I mean, your lived experience, your experience of what you did and how it made you feel is really valid. Like the same way, say, Dominic Kemp or any other cancer survivors who've also found something that worked for them personally why would it be a problem if someone wants to share that as long as they're not saying do this and you won't get cancer or do this and your cancer will be cured mm -hmm. which I don't think anybody's saying you know so I'm kind of intrigued by that whole um that whole area but listen I'll move on from it you went back to work in radio but you left tell us about that because you're now actually I mean I don't think there's many of you in the world a full-time podcaster that's how you earn your living yeah, no, I'm so blessed. Um, I went back to work and um, I worked on this. I went back to work with the best people in 98 FM on the breakfast show. And I was the news anchor. Um, but I had to get up at a quarter to five, half four, a quarter to five in the morning. And I went back to this way that I was living before cancer, which is I'll survive. I can do it all. And I went back to work and I collect little Pia at like two o'clock and then Jamie wouldn't come home from work till half six or seven. And of course, I had loads of support from my mom if I ever wanted to have a nap in the afternoon and things like that. But it was pretty full on. And I thought, have I learned anything from what I've been through over the last couple of years? Uh, I felt really bad. I felt wrecked. I felt exhausted. I felt stressed. And I thought I have not come this far to get sick again. So it was really hard for me. I did a lot of 
digging deep to quit my job. I first of all, I went on parental leave to see how I'd feel. Then I read this amazing book called Gabby Bernstein, The Universe Has Your Back. And she asks you to ask for a sign if you're looking for an answer to something really important. So I asked for a sign and I got my sign like three hours later and I quit. But in terms of your sign, what did you actually ask? How did it work? You're going to laugh at my sign. My sign was, so Oprah was a huge part of my life and my recovery and just just everything she does and says just really related to me. The importance of acknowledgement and acceptance. So I, I was sitting in Estepona at a swimming pool and I was reading this book and it said, just ask for a sign. So I thought, okay, Oprah will be my sign. And then I thought that's silly because Oprah is everywhere. I get messages about Oprah every day. I see her on Instagram. It can't be that easy. So I thought, where have I never seen Oprah? And I never seen Oprah on Netflix. So I'd never seen one of her movies, nothing. So I thought, okay, Oprah on Netflix is my sign. You actually said it yeah. to be something right. Is that what the woman asks you to do when the universe has your back? Well, she says, ask for a sign. And then the next line is, don't overthink it. You totally <laughs> so, overthought it. <laughs> so I went up to the apartment that night and Jamie went to take the bins out. And, um, I logged on to Amazon Prime. I was so convinced that Oprah wasn't on Netflix. I thought, okay, well, if she's on Amazon Prime, that'll do. So I scrolled through like 120 films looking for an Oprah film and couldn't find it. And I was like, oh, look, I'll just forget it. The sign could come next week. So I pressed the Netflix button and there was Oprah's face. swear to God, she had done, uh, she'd filmed this documentary with the Central Park Five and I had been away for three weeks. So I had hadn't even heard that this was coming out or that she'd even filmed it for Netflix. And there was her face on the homepage of Netflix. And I, I was so shocked by it. I I didn't tell Jamie when he came back upstairs. I was so, I needed to just sleep on it. And I thought, jeepers, how many signs do I need to quit this job? I have to go. Um, So I did. I left. I left that summer and I haven't looked back, thankfully, but I'm still in touch with my amazing colleagues. So just a bit of housekeeping. How does it actually work? How do you make your living from podcasts? Is it through ads? What's your um, monetizing situation? Yeah, so I've been really lucky to um, have some amazing brands come on as title sponsors. So at the moment, I'm working with Emma Mattresses on the Good Glow Health. And I have just finished working with Sally Hansen on season six of the Good Glow. So uh, they've been really supportive to me. They allow me to to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Like this season of the Good Glow, we spoke about miscarriage and surrogacy and Black Lives Matter and just really important issues that I wanted to talk about. So it's really important for me um, to have that freedom with my podcast, which I do. I'm also um, a wellness ambassador for the VHI. So I do a lot of corporate talks, which have now turned digital. So I've been lucky to build on the Good Glow brand and and it's it's been very good to me. And it is your full-time job. It's my full-time job. And actually, uh, my husband, Jamie, who is an amazingly talented guy who's worked in media his whole life and is an amazing uh, 
leader and motivator has actually come on board now and we're working together. So he works more on the long, long-term picture stuff and I'm kind of more day-to-day with the podcast and the editing. So we're a great team. We kill each other a lot, but um, it's it's a really exciting time for us and, and we're really excited about it. Has he given up his job then? Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're just concentrating on the good glow at the moment, so. You can have a livelihood from all of this thing that you've created. Yeah, it's it's been my second baby, you know. I, I was told that I, I, I had to put my second baby plans on hold and that was devastating for me, but it gave me this and it's allowed me time to work on this. Um, we are so happy and we got a little puppy, so our, our family life feels very complete right now. Of course, I'd love to have another baby, but... Again, trusting in the universe that everything that's happening now is happening as it should. What are the Godwinks then before we go, just because so, people will be intrigued? So Oprah talks about Godwinks and a Godwink could be like the perfect piece of chocolate cake or, you know, when things just align perfectly and you think, wow, amazing. And I get a lot of Godwinks now in nature, just going outside and feeling very grateful to be alive. My my daughter is starting Montessori next Friday and every day that I was in chemo, I just think about her first day and walking her in with her little backpack on. And that's what I wanted to live for and that's next Friday. So I feel like that will be my next God wink. But it can be something as simple as a gorgeous cup of tea. <laughs> and what's the point of noticing them? It's to be grateful for what you have and where you are in this moment. Um, I try not to look ahead too much. I try to just appreciate the little things that we have. Like I, my my happy place when I was in counselling was the apartment we used to live in. It's not the house we live in now. It was that safe, gorgeous place where we made all those wonderful memories. So it's not about for me now and that's what I've learned. It's it's about the people. It's about my family. It's about feeling well and, you know, having the ability to laugh and, and not be so worried anymore. So it's gratitude is a big part of my life. And um, I don't, you know, practice it. It just kind of comes in very naturally. Um, and I suppose we should say, I suppose you don't have to believe in God necessarily to notice the God winks and you can just call them maybe universe winks or some other kind of wink. Yeah, absolutely. And they're all around us. You know, when you when you take the time, I always say the greatest gift I ever gave myself was the gift of time to to just slow down and notice things and be grateful and um, spend time with those you love. I mean, I ran around for 32 years, like a headless chicken, wrecked, tired, could never find anything, eating on the go. You know, for what? What was I doing it for? Um, when I was brought into that room and told I had cancer, all I could think about was my family. It wasn't about my last promotion or, you know, the size of my house. So it's just about appreciating those things. And I try to remind people of that on my podcast. 
Brilliant. Well, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. And uh, I love the fact that you're like this entrepreneur as well, who's created this amazing thing from a very pure place, from something that want, you wanted to share with other people. And as a result, a whole community has risen up with you and is getting so much from it and you're getting so much from it. Um, and I wish you all the best with everything that you do. Thank you so much. And I believe that's why the Good Glow worked was because it came from a genuine place and people can see that and thank you for having me on your podcast like it's all about women supporting women and sharing your story because you know if you help one person you've done your job for the day and that's you know what I'm all about now brilliant well Georgie thanks a lot and I'm sure we'll have you back on when you you do your next world domination thing the next thing you have to do of course is meet Oprah Yes, I know. How am I going to do that? Just wait. Just put it out there and it will happen. And then you come back on yeah. and talk to us about it because it's one of my things as well. <laughs> we, <can do> it together. <laughs> we should start a podcast where we go to find Oprah. Poor Oprah. Basically, stalking Oprah, we'll call it, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Thank you so much. Well, that was Georgie Crawford there. And thanks very much. The podcast is The Good Glow and The Good Glow Health. That's all we have time for. Don't forget to send in your happy happenings and to tune in on Monday when Jen Hogan will be here to give us a bit of a steer on the back to school story and also Mally Coyne with some excellent advice on anxious children. My own daughters are back to school on Tuesday, so I will be very interested to hear what Jen has to say and indeed Mally. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Mind yourselves and I'll talk to you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 